Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneurs Show, where we celebrate the innovators driving change in the education industry. At Edison OS, we've worked with over 500 knowledge entrepreneurs to turn their edtech ideas into profitable businesses. In this episode of the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show, we have Jeff Negus. Jeff Negus, the driving force behind tutoring in an instant, is a seasoned expert with over 20 years of experience in simplifying complex concepts for individuals at any stage of life. Jeff's mission is to provide accessible and affordable learning opportunities tailored to each individual's pace and needs. With a specialization in exam preparation such as GED, SAT, ACT, ASVAB, GRE, and GMAT, Jeff's expertise extends to high school level subjects like chemistry, statistics, and physics. Whether it's conquering a challenging exam or seeking homework assistance, Jeff and Tutoring in an Instant offer comprehensive support. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for taking your time out for this. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Jeff, here's my first question. Uh, a very open-ended personal question for people to know who Jeff is before we get to know about what Jeff does. So if you can walk us through a little bit about Jeff the person so far, it'll be great. Sounds great. I'm a retired Naval officer. I was in the Navy for 20 years. I uh, loved it. I was on submarines and submarine staffs. My last three years on an aircraft carrier. And uh, after I retired from the Navy, did some other stuff. And about nine years ago, started this tutoring business while I was still doing other things. And then, uh, so about five years ago, took it full time. Um, I, and I love doing it. I see different students every day, uh, primarily test prep, math, science, physics, but I really found what I really love to do. And so that's why I've kept doing it now for almost five years full time. Got it, Jeff. So Jeff, uh, you said, you know, you worked in the Navy and then uh, <laughs> once you finished Navy, you were probably looking out for another thing to do. And then, you know, you found something that you loved. Uh, could you uh, walk us through a little bit more about the transition? Are there any other things that you tried before settling down on the test prep domain? Or was it straight into teaching? You always knew that you were going to teach. Um, yeah, when I when I retired from the Navy, the first thing I did was consulting, uh, energy conservation consulting. And that was fun, but it was a lot of travel. Then I sold electronics. I sold electronics for Tyco Electronics and TE Connectivity. And I love doing that. Again, a lot of travel, but not quite as much. And then it was during that time that I started um, tutoring part-time just now and again here. And then I found out that I really loved it. So when I had the opportunity to uh, leave the last full-time job that I had and go and teach at the university here, the Salt Lake uh, Community College, a local community college, I found out that I really loved that. And so then I did that as my kind of main thing and then tutored, you know, almost full time at that point. And then when, when that job finished, then then I just said, let's just do it all, all tutoring all day. So that's what I do now. Love it. Great. So when you said you settled down full time into tutoring, you said before that you taught in the community college. Was your stint in community college helping you find students? Is there a link? Or what I'm trying to find out is how did you first land your private student? Um, the first uh, first few students that I got were through an online platform called Wise Ant Tutoring. I tutored right. for them for quite a while. And right. then actually, yeah, uh, tutoring at uh, or teaching at the community college, I did have a good number of my students 
follow on as they went into college algebra and statistics and things like that. They they continued on with me. I even had one a gentleman from Ukraine that I basically worked him all the way from um, his associates at Salt Lake Community College all the way through his bachelor's in, in finance. It was it was very interesting. For his final project, we actually worked on my company. We actually did all the finances and all the profit and loss and all of the income and balance statements for, for my company. So it was an interesting glimpse into the future. Great. You're talking about your tutoring company, Teaching in an Instant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, tutoring in an instant. Um, and uh, it's kind of in an instance, the overall uh, mother company and <clears throat> doing mostly tutoring right now, but uh, hope to expand to lots of other things in the future. Great. Uh, interesting, this came up now. Could you uh, walk us a little bit about the name, Tutoring in an Instant? So I actually came upon this name in an instant. Um, <laughs> okay. Quite a, quite a while ago, actually. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a U.S. phrase, in an instant. Right. Like something needs to happen right now, right now. Right. And I actually formed one iteration of this company way back in the day in 96. And uh, we were doing websites for companies but it was kind of before its time actually that way back then. Right. And so um, when I reformed it this time, I said, you know, I'm going to do something. I know I can get good solid cash flow and not have to worry about, you know, things that it's kind of before it's time. Cause there was an immediate need for this. Right. And so as I started doing it, I, you know, found that there was a, it was my niche. I loved it and was able to get, you know, lots of folks to, to dive in and, and work with. See. Jeff, you said it's been nine years since you started this. Now, nine years is obviously we've got a midpoint where there is a pandemic. And um, yes. yeah, so before the pandemic, did you start off online or was it uh, classroom training? I actually started um, going to people's houses was was my primary method of, of tutoring, either meeting at people's houses or at a local library. Mm-hmm. That was the main method by which I tutored. But during right. the pandemic, of course, that was not possible. Right. But also because of the pandemic, many, many parents found themselves overwhelmed trying to help their students with their online classes right. and really struggling. It's very difficult for a parent to tutor their own children. I, I've experienced the same thing. It's, it's very difficult. You have that emotional involvement. Right. And so unfor- like many businesses really struggled during the pandemic, but mine took off. Mine just went crazy. I, I just didn't have enough hours in the day to tutor all the students that needed help. And then, then because of that, I kind of transitioned that that's what I do now. I don't, I hardly ever travel to a student's house now. They they either come here. To, a few students come here to my local office, but the vast majority I tutor online. So that was really a good transition for me, actually. Right, right. So... How is uh, how did you take up to that transition on the whole? Like, whether was it smooth, or you know, did you have challenges uh, teaching online, or did you have experience before the pandemic itself? Have you taught online? Yes, I did have experience before the pandemic itself. I uh, um, a lot of the students that I got either from Wiseant tutors or from later I started getting a few from Varsity tutors. That was all online. Right. And so I had that experience right. before that and then just built on that during COVID when that was the only way possible and just had, you know, more students than I could ever, I could ever keep up with. And that was yeah. great. I mean, the transition was really smooth because I'd done it before 
And right. so then when that was all I could do, that was all right. That was fine. Right. Worked you great. said you had students, uh, so many students, uh, so much so that, you know, it was more than what you could handle. Uh, so do you have a team with you? Did you go ahead and hire more teachers? I don't have another teacher yet. That's definitely very on the near horizon. I do have another employee in Mexico, uh, Edson Rodriguez. Right. He does all of my emails. He does all of my bill entry, does basically executive assistant. I wake up every morning. The emails are drafted to my students so that when I get done teaching a lesson, I can right. just attach the materials that we talked over, send them off right away. And so it makes the admin back end of it quite a bit faster and easier, which is invaluable. He's awesome. Great. And could you talk to us about the online tools that you use that completes your online teaching business, Jeff? You bet. So I, I use Zoom. Right. Now and again, I used it almost exclusively before when they had a one-hour time limit. But right. recently, they put in a 40-minute time limit. Right. And so that kind of made it challenging. A few students still need to use that because their school computer is not compatible right. with Google Meet. But for the vast majority of the time, I use Google Meet. And uh, because there's no time limits, I can you know be on there as long as I want. Right. And then uh, I use that. And then, uh, um, you know, online, other online tools to to teach the students the concepts. And then I'm really diligent about making sure whatever we cover during our session gets sent to them right away that same day so they can review it if they need to and, and, and go over it. Google Meet did not have the recording option before. I think it's got it now, right? I think so. I have not used it. I have not used it, but I think it does as, as well. And so for the very few students that want to record, then, uh, then I'll go back to Zoom to allow okay. them to record that and then just take the half hour break, you know, just take a short break at right. the half hour point and, and, and resume. Right. And I still get a large number of my students from varsity tutors, an online source. And then also from tutor doctor, which is kind of, I've only been with them about eight months, but they have um, the varsity tutors has the ability to record the session every time they just record it. And there's quite a few students that use that that then go back and say they review the lectures over and over again. Great. So uh, when you do the class on Google Meet, when you say that you send out the things right after the class, you're talking about the notes, the PPTs or something. Do you have PPTs that you've prepared? I, yeah, I do have PowerPoints for my test taking, uh, for my test uh, test taking prep. Okay. I've got some really good PowerPoints for you know math and for test taking techniques. Right. And then also if it's the, you know, just I have a test day prep for people that are just about ready to go take an SAT, an ACT, or a lot of the military tests. Right. And those are ones that I have standard and can go over with the student. And then if they send me any worksheets or anything like that, you know, we go through those and then I send those back. I use, weirdly enough, Microsoft Paint. It's very old, <laughs> but it works yeah. great. It's very easy to edit and I'll just do lessons right on there. And then send send those back to them, and I actually use that quite a bit. Wow. Okay. It's, it's been a long time since I heard Microsoft Paint. So you you said you use that for correcting your students' worksheets and sending it back to them. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll use that to go over them. The great thing about it is if you know I pull up their right. worksheet right. just as a, as a as a JPEG, and then as I tell them all the time, now I have infinite paper. So I can just stretch their workout, spread it out on the pages I need to, 
and then we can go through it until until they understand it. Go through it as many times as they need to. Got it. Got it, Jeff. Jeff, you said, um, you know, you don't have any other teacher with you, but still, you know, you're getting a lot of requests. I'm sure you're turning down a lot of students. So which means you are full, whatever you wanted to. Let's say if you allocated a certain number of hours for the day, you're full. So how did you go about deciding, OK, this is exactly the number of hours I'm going to spend on this and so many students. So where is that right now? Um, right now, it's a little slower for the summer. Okay. But over the last three weeks before now, it was it was absolutely crazy. Um, varsity tutors has more opportunities for tutors than than they can ever fill. And when I go on there, I'm very selective of which students I pick um, based on the fact that I get tons of other students still via word of mouth, via um, just local advertising, just on we have a thing called KSL classifieds. I get students from there. And so. I'm able to be a little more selective and uh, you know, if I want to take an evening off or an afternoon off, I'm able to do that. And I, and I like, that. I like being able to set my own schedule. Got it. And uh, you're talking about one-on-one -on -one only. You don't do group classes, do you? I, I have um, now and again, um, I had the opportunity through varsity tutors to teach a uh, charter school in, in the Bronx, I actually teach a small group of um, about four, four or five fifth graders via the online platform. And that was awesome. I, I, I love that. And, and, uh, and, and then also I've taught a, a large group seminar organized by someone else, but or where I taught an ACT math right. test taking techniques and then science, ACT science as well to a large forum of students. And, and I love that, that I, I'm, I'm energized by crowds. That was very enjoying, very enjoyable to me. Great. Jeff, you, you spoke about, you know, you can you're able to you have the luxury of selecting right uh what is what is the criteria based on which you select and where you know you must have had some experiences before based on which you'd have decided okay you know what this is not happening next this is the kind of student i want so what are those things what are your preferences like what are the bases on which you select so i really like test preparation um i tutor for sat act right. gmat gre and you name the acronym military test because I am a retired naval officer right. and I have my private pilot's license. There's a couple of Air Force and Army and Navy tests that involve that component of the, of the flying. And so that gives me that experience to be able to tutor those. And so if I have an opportunity to grab one of those really from whatever source I do, I'm really preferential to the military folks. Anybody that's in the military now or going to try to be in the military that's one of the things I really grab onto. I really try to select those. And then in general, I'm about fourth to fifth grade and above. I don't, I don't go lower than that just because online, it's very difficult to keep them energized at that age. And so they have to come here, which is great. And I don't mind it, but uh, that's kind of one of the big things I do. And then another thing is I look for students that really want to do the work. And so, you know, I'll look at a, I'll look at a student profile in any of the uh, tutoring platforms that I get students from. And if it's one that, you know, just says, oh, you know, the mom's like, oh, I can never get them to do anything. And it's really a struggle and stuff like that. Then, you know, sometimes I shy away from those because <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be the one that's going to make them do anything. Right. You know, I'm, I'm just not. And especially online, that's just not going to happen. And yeah. so I really look for the ones that said, you know, it's really smart kid, but just really struggles with the ACT, SAT, those are ones that I can definitely help. Give them a few test taking techniques, 
a little bit of confidence, and they're good. Got it. I was going to ask you this, but then, you know, you brought it up yourself. Forget going below fourth standard, but then, you know, I'm sorry, fourth grade. You know, just the difference between the ones that are going to take SAT, ACT and the fourth, fifth graders itself is pretty huge, right? And um, especially online, getting their attention and, you know, having them engage is not an easy task. So how did you, has it always been... Uh, you know, a natural skill for you? Or did you, you know, did you figure out something to keep these fourth, fifth graders, uh, you know, to learn online? So my wife can always, says she can always tell when I'm tutoring one of those age group because I'm just much more dynamic and just very outspoken and gregarious. She can just absolutely tell and just lots more, oh, great job. You're doing so good. All right, let's do another problem like that. And she can always tell that I've switched into that mode of, you know, keep almost like an entertainer to keep their attention. And when I have them in person, um, I, you know, everybody says you got to test them and see what level they're at. Ah, There's a lot of nice ways to do that. Here's my way. Uno math. Okay. We play, we, we play, we do multiplication tables, addition, subtraction, you name it with the Uno cards. And most students are very competitive and they want to beat me, of course. And so we'll throw down a couple cards, multiply them together. I'll make a mistake down then on purpose just to see if they're really doing their times tables well. And boy, that, that gets kids engaged in person. And then online, it's just that watching their eyes and just keeping that dynamics to keep them engaged with you is, is very important. And I love it. I love teaching that age group. So it's pretty fun. Easier said than done, surely. Um, That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> and you said those were uh, Uno maths. Yeah. Okay. So I, I take the Uno cards and just we flip them over. Okay. And we can do addition, subtraction, multiplication, many different things. And just really keeping them, you know, keeping them excited about doing math. Because I unfortunately get a lot of kids, mm-hmm. that's more in the 8th, ninth grade, that have kind of been beaten down by by math. They they just don't think they're good at it. Right. They don't like it. And so getting them engaged in a mode where, you know, you can do this. You have the ability, you know, let's go. You can beat me. I'm the teacher and you can beat me. So, you know, then they, then they really start to like it or at least not hated as much as they used to before. And so then that helps them because it's a valuable skill throughout their lives. So that really helps them to be engaged with it. Right. Jeff, uh, these uh, Uno cards that you spoke about, uh, so Mm -hmm. the kids sitting on the other side of the screen, do they have a set of cards and is there an instructor with them who's coordinating? Or is it just you and the kids? yeah, I only do that in uh, in person. Ah, right, right. I, I'd like I'd like to invent that game. I'll talk to Uno and invent <laughs> that game real time because that that would be great. That yeah, because uh, it really it's a any time that a kid can compete with a teacher and and right. either win either win or you know oh, I got a zero now I'll never win. Any time like that, they they just feel like it's more engaging than just sitting and writing. And you know, just answering a bunch of questions. If they're engaged, they'll they'll do it. They love it. Right, Jeff. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of teachers, right? But then uh, this is the first time I'm speaking to some somebody who's got this military background. 
and um, you know the pop culture references to military is all I know about people from the military, especially from the US. Right, me sitting in India, I've seen a lot of war movies uh, made in the US and stuff like that. But uh, you had to tell me that you're from military for me to know that you're from military. But oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> the the I love me wall behind me didn't give it away. <laughs> all the plaques and stuff there, we call that our I love me wall. So. Okay, got. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, did you have to, you know, uh, do some adjustment uh, because when you're interacting with the kids, you know, you really have to come down to their level, and you really can't intimidate them and all that stuff. And you know, also there might be a lot of gap for you to also, you know, bridge. Uh, most of the gap bridging may have to, you know, happen from your side. And this question, I'm placing it to you on behalf of all the military people who might watch this and think oh okay there's there's probably a career for us in teaching you know what do you have to say what are the adjustments that you have to make uh, from a social perspective so i'm i'm kind of an atypical naval officer i i never yell i okay. never intimidate that's not my leadership style okay i've i've been under leaders like that and, and never liked it right and i can i can completely and honestly say i never yelled at an enlisted man once in my whole naval career Wow. I only yelled at an officer once and he really deserved it. He, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and so for me, that was not a big adjustment because that's how I've always led. Right. I was involved in Boy Scouts when I was younger. I served a mission for my church. And so my leadership style was much more of encouraging, coaching, you know, helping sailors and, and my peers to, to succeed and so that was, for me, a good transition. Now, there are those that are in the military that have a different leadership style. That might be a little bit more of an adjustment for them because, yeah, uh, I, you can't intimidate the kids and think they'll enjoy your presence or do well. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it, for me, it wasn't a hard transition. But for some folks, you got to just realize that you're not in the military anymore. Right. <laughs> you don't get to you don't get to act that way. You know, you, you get to be a coach. Right. Uh, a helper, but the, but the military background is really good for most entrepreneurs because you've got that dedication to really stick to something and, but do it smartly, right. like, you know, look for new business frequently and work smarter and better ways to, to do your job. And so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage people that are in the military to, to pursue a teaching career because it's, it's very beneficial you already have that drive and that determination that got you through the military. Right. Just use that to, you know, to help kids because it's a great thing to do. Do the kids know that you've had a military background? Um, yeah, most, I mean, the ones that come here in person see all the stuff right. behind me. <laughs> and then the ones that are online see the stuff behind me. Right. And, you know, I mention it pretty much right away because um, for me, it's a, it's a really good icebreaker. Right. Um, right. You know, a lot in the in the U.S., the military is very respected, and uh, you know the kids uh, really look up, look up. in yeah. general to, to to military folks, and so it's helpful for me to gain that you know that in with them to have something to talk about right away, right? And to say, and and also then they know that you know I'm going to stick with them. If they stick with me, I'll stick with them because that's what I've done. I, mean, I was with a, in a career for 20 years and loved it. So. Jeff, uh, you touched upon a topic that I was going to come and ask you myself. You said, you know, uh, given that you have the military background, you've got your unique advantages and skills that other normal people may not, 
right? Unless they went out of the way and picked up some of the, especially the discipline and all that stuff. But uh, just talking from a teaching perspective, uh, you know, do you think uh, you bring something different to the table given that you've had this military experience? Do you borrow some of those experiences or that people skills as compared to normal teachers? Or my question is rather, is there certain skills or mindset that normal teachers can borrow from your style? In a positive way, of course. Yeah, I would say definitely that you know, as a naval officer, you're constantly teaching and coaching and helping your, you know, your subordinates and your peers to succeed. And so then um, that's a valuable experience for helping students. And so, you know, even if a normal teacher hasn't had that experience, then they can, they can, you know, go out and seek that in, in different organizations out in the community and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and different things like that, because those are invaluable interactions when you're in a situation where you can mentor someone that really helps you have the opportunity to um, help someone throughout their life and, and help a student. Great. And Jeff, you also made a point. You're not going to be the person who's going to make a student do something. You're looking for students who are already driven, who want to, you know, who have the motivation, but who are struggling technically. And you can, you know, give a helping hand. But let's say, you know, those are the kind of students that you've got. And in the middle of your engagement with them, let's say, uh, do students face problems that you help with? Not just with the academics, right? It could be something apart from it, which is stopping them from the flow. Uh, how do you deal with those situations? That That's a really good question. And I had a very good example of that. I, I tutored a a young lady about to graduate from college, and I was tutoring her for the uh, optical admission test, the OAT, and it's a it's a test that they take to get into an, an ophthalmology college. And right. she had taken it once before and done all right, but she had severe test taking test taking anxiety. Severe. Mm. I mean, even just talking to me about the test, wow. taking it again made her cry. Right, and so. You know, I had to engage her from a very different angle than anyone else. I had to realize that her center of gravity right. was not her knowledge whatsoever. It was not her knowledge level. Right. It was absolutely just her confidence in her ability to get into a college. I found out two or three weeks into the tutoring that she had a 3.9 in neuroscience. And I was like, any ophthalmology school would be glad to have you. You need to realize that and realize that. While your grade on this test matters a little bit, your current knowledge level matters a lot more. And so that really helped her kind of relax and realize, okay, I'll do well on this test, but that's not the most important thing in life. Because a lot of students get into that mentality, right. that that next math test, that SAT, that ACT, that that is the end all be all. If they don't do well on this, their life is over. And so really helping them understand that that's not true. There's a lot more to life than this one next math test, than this next SAT you're going to take. That, you know, li live your live life as well as you can, and other things will follow. Right. So, does it mostly boil down to having a human conversation and giving a little bit of a perspective, or are there any specific exercises or methods that you employ, or is it just this just friendly talk? Jeff. The motivating, friendly talk is really, really helpful. 
a lot of times they don't get that. Right. They don't get that. Unfortunately, sometimes from their parents, right. they get more of the, why aren't you doing better? And if I can be the person that says you're doing great, right. you know, you're doing better than anyone else has done on these, on this test so far, right. then that's really helpful for most students. They get that encouragement and that, that buoying up that they, that they need, that they need, that they sometimes don't get from other sources. Got it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really not sure about how things work in the U.S., so I'm just going to ask you, because here in India, the father or the mother play a very equally important role or they involve themselves as, as much as the student does, right, with the monitoring the progress and stuff like that. How is the parent dynamics as a teacher for you uh, there in the U.S.? Um, it kind of depends, but the vast majority of parents are much more hands-off here in the U.S. I mean, if a student is really, really doing poorly, of course, then the teacher will interact with that with that parent and tell them, you know, your your son or daughter needs to really get this done. Right. And there and there's definitely some parents that are very involved, and and I appreciate that. I appreciate the ones that are super involved. And because I can tell then that there's somebody besides me monitoring this student's progress. Right. But uh, as a, as a vast majority, I see, you know, mothers and fathers engaging with their students once in a while, they're just completely hands off and it's all me, which I, I appreciate both methods. I appreciate both methods as a Naval officer myself. I was not able to be super involved in my kids' education, unfortunately. Right. And right. so it kind of, and it kind of fell to their mom, but, uh, you know, here in the U.S., there's they ha and especially nowadays, they have a lot more systems. They have they have you know, Power School and Canvas and all these ways where parents, if they want, they can get an update every day about their kids' progress. And some avail themselves of that more than others. And I just work with the parents. Uh, a lot of them give me the kids' Canvas login, and I'll just go in there and check out how they're doing. If that's what they want me to do, I go in there and check out how they're doing every day, and then you know, keep the parents updated. So. I would say that it's 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 uh, it really depends. There's some parents very involved, some parents not involved, but both of those have their pluses and minuses. Got it, got it, Jeff. Jeff, and uh, what about uh, what is the dynamics like when it comes to the first connection that happens, right? When you decide that okay, you know what, uh, this student I'm willing to take up. And the student deciding, okay, this teacher I'm willing to work with. Who's the middle person here? Is it the the varsity platform that you spoke about, or do you have to interact with the parents? Who makes the decision here from the student side? So, uh, for a good number of my students, the varsity platform does that, and okay. then for the for the rest, it's a lot the either the parents contacting me, right. or for for the older like uh, juniors and seniors here that are going to take an SAT. A lot of time it's them themselves contacting me. And, uh, you know, I just, I've had quite a few of those in the last little while. Um, word of mouth referrals, and, and I love those. And so often it's the teenagers themselves just reaching out to me via text. And, and I just engage with them and, you know, get their parents' email as well so I can keep them up to date. But uh, a lot of times they're very, very good and assertive folks here that, that engage themselves right away and I can, and I can help them out. Got it, Jeff. Jeff, uh, in the nine years since you've started, uh, you know, the tutoring thing, has there been a point where you did not, you probably felt students drying up? 
Has there been a situation like that ever? And if there was, what did you do about it? I would never say drying up. They've definitely slowed at times, like especially over the Christmas holidays. Of course, you, you can't compete with Santa. Right. And so during <laughs> that time frame, what what I do is I look for, um, there's plenty of online platforms where you can, uh, students have sent in problems and you can work out the solutions. Right. And then just, and then the students can come back later and look at that solution. And so I've uh, invested in a couple of those where, okay, if I don't have a minute to, you know, teach students, then I can do those online solutions for, for different platforms as well. Okay. So this is what, just from a point of view of visibility, uh, so that students can discover you? Is that what is that the yeah. intention behind that? Absolutely. Yeah. Because then they can see, hey, you know, this guy knows how to do his work. He can work out these solutions. And then via that, then they can contact me, you know, and I'm always sure to put my contact information right on there right. so that they can get a hold of me if they need to. And I've, I've gotten a few students that way. It's definitely a way to, to, you know, get some business as well. Got it. But you haven't uh, really ventured out on your own apart from these platforms. Uh, I mean, you have your website, yes, but have you gone in depth, you know, working on the SEO and then, you know, uh, ranking on the search results and stuff like that? Have you worked on those? Just recently, I actually started. So I have okay. a guy in my church group that does that for a living. I mean, that's what his company does. It's a marketing company. Right. And they, they're in the process of revamping my website. We're going to do SEO. We're going to do all that. Because I'm really, I'm wanting to do as much as possible, you know, word of mouth, local, um, where, where I'm not you know, having to go to the online platforms to get folks. And so that's happening this week. In fact, when you, next time you go to tutoring in an instant, may not, maybe not this week, but maybe next week, you'll see a whole different experience. So. Right. Got it. Jeff, uh, this, you can choose to answer or not this question. I'm just asking you so that, you know, my further questions will probably uh, depend on this answer. So uh, when you started off tutoring business, uh, how much was it uh, uh, to have you engaged in something and how much was it for you to make a living? Uh, when I first started, it was absolutely just for fun. Right. I mean, I was when I first started, I was still, still selling electronics for TE Connectivity. So okay. that was just something I did on the evenings and weekends. Mm-hmm. And then that continued to be the case through the next, you know, two or three um, jobs that I had. It was just an evening and weekend thing. Right. So it was definitely not to make a living at all. Right. And then um, after that, it became, you know, I'm very fortunate to uh, have a wonderful wife who works hard. She's a uh, an editor at a private school. And so she works hard and allows me to do this. And that I love, but also to, you know, contribute sufficiently to our, to our household finances. And I do get my military retirement as well. So that's nice, but it was never really, this is the only thing I can do to make a living. Right. That, that right. was fortunate. That was very fortunate, but you know, I love it and it's fun to do. And so I'm looking for even more and more ways to monetize it every day. Exactly why I asked you, because, you know, uh, the most important, uh, outcome of this podcast we'd like is for the discussion to revolve around expanding the business, uh, monetizing more, of course, still doing the core thing uh, in the most noble way possible, right? Uh, because at the end of the day, education can only be made 
so much business. You cannot go all out and make it that kind of a cutthroat business sort of a thing. There's a fine balance right. between, uh, you know, keeping community in the mind, but at the same time, making a little bit of money for the people who are doing that as well. Uh, so that's Absolutely. the reason. Yeah, that's the reason I touched upon that topic. Now that I know, uh, it's great uh, because you also s- uh, started off, uh, you established that you've got a lot of plans to expand when I asked you if you had other teachers in your team. But uh, before that, uh, Jeff, uh, one other thing that I want to touch upon is you said you're fortunate. So you said this is not the only thing that you could have done to make a living. You had a lot of things that you could choose from. But then if you still had to choose, you choose this uh, is what I understand. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I sold electronics. I've, you know, done done consulting. Right. And I've done a lot of other things that they were good living. They were very profitable, very good living, very high paying, but not enjoyable at times. And so this, you know, I enjoy it. And, you know, but yet I can still, you know, make a decent enough living to, to get by. So it's it's exactly what I love to do. Got it, Jeff. Great. I just want to ask you one one more question in this uh, regard, right? Uh, you said you've done a lot of other things which are equally or more profitable than this, but then you know this is enjoyable for you. But it must also give you a sense of a deeper satisfaction compared to other things. You must uh, you you must probably have a feeling that you're contributing a little bit more to the uh, people around you uh, in a better way than that, right? Um, but what are the other general, you know, uh, satisfactions that you get just for people who are watching, probably, you know, who could teach and, you know, who've got other choices. What are the reasons that you'd give to them that probably this is something, uh, a better option than the other things that people could do? The main reason is those light bulb moments when you're teaching a student and all of a sudden they go, oh, I get it. I understand this. Those are the things I live for and for the results. I mean, I have a results oriented approach. If, you know, I want my students to do well. I tell every single one of them in the first session that I have a results oriented approach. This is what I do. If I don't continue to do it well, I don't continue to be employed. And so I really want students to do well. One of the best emails I ever got was from a guy that took the Air Force officer qualifying test. He was enlisted already, a jet mechanic kind of a guy. And he got a 95 on the AFOQT, which is, you know, it's about as good as you can get, honestly. You don't get much higher than that. Right. And he said, I got a 95. I'm getting fighter jets. And now it's just, that makes my day. That's absolutely amazing. That's the kind of thing that I live for and that teachers can live for is when they have a student that gets it, that suddenly has that light bulb moment and really gets it. That's that's huge. That that That's worth 10 other students that are still struggling because you'll have that one that gets, ah, I get it now because of you. I get it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. You and feel so that, that that makes it. Work. Yeah. Yeah. That works. That as helps. A, as, as opposed to selling something which can be done pretty much by anybody, this, you feel like, okay, you know, this is something unique that you've done may not be anybody who could have done this. Got it. Correct. Yeah. That, that's what I live for getting those few moments. Great. Jeff, you said yours is mostly a result-oriented thing, and I know how important it is for teachers to have students who show them results because people judge you based on your past work with students. And um, I'm sure, you know, a lot of teachers pick the right students, keeping in mind they want the students also to get those 
kind of results. Has there been a situation when you started off on a very great note, but along the way you saw that student drifting off and, you know, you're doing your thing, but then the student is drifting off for whatever reason. Uh, have you had to let go of a student or, you know, what's your approach? Has has this situation even occurred to you? It, it has. Um, I, I was tutoring one young man. I had to travel there in per- person because he was really struggling with his grades and turning homework in and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, I would go there and really diligently ask him every time, hey, what about this math assignment? Hey, what about that math assignment? Oh, 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 oh. Always a lot of excuses. And uh, while I tutored him through that whole school year, I could tell that, you know, if the mom, if the parents aren't going to enforce getting this homework done, I'm not the one that can enforce that. I can ask, I can teach, I can instruct, I can help. But at the end of the day, if there's not someone there to be the enforcer, then, you know, they're, they're not going to continue. They're not going to succeed. They're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to do well. And so while I didn't really drop the student, I definitely didn't seek them out again in the, in the new school year. Because I thought, you know, if the parents aren't going to enforce what I'm trying to tell them that, okay, he's got these five past math assignments that I can, I can see he hasn't turned in because you gave me his Canvas login. Um, you know, I'm asking about him and he's saying, excuse, excuse, excuse. So if you're not going to enforce that, there's not a lot I can do. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't drop them, but I definitely didn't yeah. seek them out in the future. Got it. Got it, Jeff. Jeff, uh, now talking about expansion, growing, monetization, you've been doing this for nine years. Uh, You said um, only a week before, a couple of weeks before that you started working or thinking about expansion. May I ask, why has it taken you nine years to think of expansion? Because I was enjoying what I was doing, just me and my guy in Mexico, you know, we were doing fine. And... I could continue operating like this for years and years and years, but I feel like my system of especially preparing for the standardized tests, I think it has real value. Right. And so that's what I really want to expand to folks is to be able to have more people being able to use a very organized system to help students do better on their ACT and SAT tests. Because here in the U.S., they're very vital. I mean, they're hugely vital for students' progress into college and beyond. And so I feel like the system that I have is worth teaching other people to be able to use to have more and more students, you know, do better on those tests and have less stress in their life because they got a better ACT score. And it has shown results. Um, I've had now five students get a perfect score on the ACT reading section using some of the methods that I've taught. And so... I feel like it's it's paying results. There's, there's people that are using it, the system that are using it and, and succeeding. So I feel like I'm I'm doing something well, and I want more students to be able to have that opportunity than I can individually teach. Because there were times, definitely this spring, and there's been other times in the past when I was at capacity. There was no no more room at all to teach anyone. And so that's kind of why I want to be able to expand is to have more people use my system to do well on those tests. Great. This has also, you know, given me an answer uh, that is, so it's not just about having the desire to expand. I think this answer helped me understand also why one should look to expand. Not maybe everybody needs to expand. You said rightly, you have a system 
that probably can be replicated and scaled up. And that warrants, that's a good enough reason, valid reason yeah. for you to expand because it's not shooting in the dark, hiring just teachers and then just because you have more students connected to you, it's not just, you're not just connecting students and teachers, but then you're going to filter this down to the other teachers saying that, you know what, this is the system that you're going to follow. So you are going to be teaching my system. So I think probably that's a reason enough for you to expand. And maybe that will give you the confidence that your quality is not going to water down or something, right? Right. Yeah, that's definitely always a concern. Um, you want someone to, if they're going to use the tutoring in an instant or the in an instant method, then that they're going to, students are going to succeed using that. You know, the last thing I want is, you know, a, tu- a student or a parent coming to me and saying, you know, I used one of your teachers and my kid failed miserably. I don't, you know, I don't want that. I, right. I want them to be able to succeed. I want them to, you know, I want the, both the teachers that work with me and the students that, um, you know, benefit from that. They both, they all do well. They all do well. Got it. And Jeff, how do you envision this? Do you see yourself phasing out of teaching and taking up administration and operations or you see that no uh, you're going to continue teaching but that's going to expand uh both definitely i still always want to teach students right um that's what i love but but definitely as i get you know more and more teachers on board to help in this in this system then yeah that'll be more of you know i'll have to do as much hiring and and interviewing and teaching the teachers as i will teaching students but i feel like um if you can't do, you know, in the United States, they have this really weird saying, if you can't do, teach. And I say exactly the opposite of that. Right. If you can do, teach. teach. You know, yeah. if, if you if you can do something, then you should teach someone else to do that as well. So then they can they can help more and more people using using the way that you've helped people in the past. This is this is a great thing that you brought up, you know, if you can't do teach, because at this exact, I, I, I think the phrase uh, in the movies that I've heard or in casual memes that I've seen is coaches don't play or something like that, right? Um, and uh, we had this one conversation with someone who was teaching data analytics and uh, data analytics is even more of a hands-on topic to teach, right? And, uh, Definitely. In, and uh, I, unfortunately, I don't know about uh, the global scenario but in india teaching is that thing that you do if you do not end up getting a job you know okay you know something you and then end up teaching that's your last option sort of a thing and then this one person that i was talking to said look if you want to be a great teacher you should be practicing it at least for 50 percent of the time and only then you're going to grow as a teacher but um when it comes to test prep uh jeff i don't think that's it is yeah, you must have done it before, but I don't think in the present you don't have to keep doing, right? I mean, your past experience is going to help you teach. Absolutely, yeah. So I, when I was in high school a million years ago, I did well enough on the SAT to get a National Merit Scholarship, which is, right. you know, it's, re- it's really good scholarship. It's the only way I could have gone to college. So I had that experience. And then I've taken the ACT three times as an adult. That way, just I have that experience of that stressful timing and that, you know, trying to do my very best on that test. And so when I'm teaching a student in ACT, I can tell them I've been there. I've done that. 
Right. You're not going to go do something I haven't done recently. So I'm telling you from, you know, from my experience, what this is like. And so I think that's been very helpful for me to relate to the students that, hey, you know, timing is stressful. You've got to discipline yourself. You've got to go through it in this manner. And so then they really do believe that, you know, I've got recent relevant experience in taking that test. And so then they then they relate. They relate even better to me that, hey, I'm. I can tell you how to do this because I've done it. Great. When uh, when was the uh, most recent time that you took a ACT test, Jeff? Um, right before COVID. Right before COVID. Wow. So uh, okay. I took uh, took one then. So I took them basically a summer, a fall, and the next summer I, I took I took them. So wow. And using those experiences, I refined my methods. Right, find right. my timing and find my methods to teach the students because every single time I took a test, there were lessons learned for me personally about how that test went. And I'm able to convey those along to the students. Got it. Jeff, you spoke about the system that you've developed uh, and, you know, which is what's giving you the confidence to probably go out and expand. Now, I, you know, of course, I do not want you to share the exact methods that you probably help your students with to ace their reading in ACT. But if for an aspiring, uh, you know, test prep coach, right, what are the mm-hmm. basic pillars or systems that one needs to get in place for them to even uh, qualify, you know, at least to begin a journey that could help them be successful in this field? Just the I think the yeah absolutely the biggest thing is continuous improvement. You want them to learn the things that they're not doing well at. You know if they if they've got a certain flavor of math down really well, like math and algebra or something like that, then don't keep assigning those problems. But instead, look for ones that they're struggling with, but that are also frequently asked. I think that's the biggest part of my method. Is I went through a bunch of ACTs, a bunch of SATs and figured out what are the most commonly asked questions. So once I've got a student through a whole SAT and can kind of see their weak areas, then I can work with them to get those type of problems down and understand those. That way, then they continue to gain confidence on every new type of problem until pretty soon they're confident on every single type of problem, be it a reading passage, a science passage, or a math problem. Any of those areas, they can feel confident in doing that. And so that's, they basically are continually improving a little bit more every single test that I assign them. Got it. And what is the frequency of the tests? So I usually um, have students work uh, two times a week at the beginning. Sometimes right. I'll increase that in periodicity before a test, but usually about two to three times a week. And they'll start out doing a full test And then after that, I'm able to assign, as I said, those specific problems that help them get a little bit better at the commonly tested items until, you know, by the time they're a week before the test, you know, they're confident, they're ready. They've got everything they need to go and go do that test. And as I said, I really work hard to help them feel confident because I unfortunately get a lot of students that have taken in the past, not done well, their confidence is shaken. And so to get them back to a point where they can believe in themselves again is really a huge part of my method is just saying, no, see, you can do that problem. You couldn't do it two weeks ago. Now you got it. So you're, you're golden. Keep going. Got it. Jeff, uh, you also said, you know, you, you took 
a ACT test very recently just to understand what is going on. As much as there is about the questions that you answer, there is also this whole method, right? I mean, if it's an online test, there is this whole, you need to get adjusted to the platform and what is happening inside the screen and stuff. But uh, have you figured a way out for students to undergo the exact same experience uh, when it comes to the modality of things? Yes, absolutely. If I really have a student that's struggling with timing, for example, I will actually do a test with them. So we'll get together online and time the test and I'll do like an SAT math, no calculator section right with them. And because I can do it obviously a little bit faster than them, I'm able to give them the time hacks as we go along so that they can feel that sense of, okay, I got to really discipline myself to you know move on if I can't get a problem, really discipline themselves in that method of going through the tests. And so I've done that both in person with students and online with students. If I do it with them, then they feel that real time pressure and that real, um, you know, how it's really going to be on the test. Right. And then I encourage them as well as they get two or three weeks out from the test to time themselves and discipline themselves to say, okay, I've got this many minutes for this section, this many minutes for the next section, and I've really got to keep up that pace. And that's something we talk about, you know, pretty much right away is that you know, pacing. Pacing is very important on these tests. Got it. And you use an exact platform similar to the ones that ACT or SAT. Uh, SAT hasn't gone online yet. Uh, I think ACT is an online. It's, uh, well, it's future. I know both are still on paper. ACT is piloting online and SAT, of course, is going that way. And that's really because that's what students are used to. I mean, they're, they, you know, I have a hard time getting them to print out the tests and actually write all over them because right. they're just not used to that anymore. Right. You know, they just, that's not something that, that they do. And so, but um, as, as the ACT, SAT go toward more of that direction, that's definitely something I want to go do as well is take one of those computerized ACT tests so I can tell them, here's the ways to manipulate that system, to use that system to your advantage so that you can go through it as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Got it, Jeff. Jeff, you said, uh, you know, coming back to your expansion plans, have you already taken into consideration that SAT and ACT are going to go online? And uh, yes. are you planning, expanding, keeping in mind this? If yes, how exactly? What are the things that you're looking at at this point? So I definitely want to, as I said, ACT, go and take one of those computerized tests so I can see exactly how the system works. Um, if I tutor other tests that are online, like uh, that OAT test that I tutor for, for the optolemy, that's all, that's on a computer. Right. And so I've definitely went through practice exams that you can, that you can get where it's that actual platform and you have to use exactly what they give you to go through that test. And so I've done that plenty of times to get that feel for, you know, how the, how the next problem is presented and things like that. And I plan to do the same thing with ACT and, and SAT if they'll let me. They haven't quite yet, but we'll, we'll see if they let me at some point. Okay. One is you getting to experience how the platform is going to be like. One more is when you have your students, you helping them also to get a feel. Now, say, for example, you said you give tests twice a week. That's the kind of frequency, mm -hmm. right? Now, yeah. uh, when the test goes online, 
even those tests that you give twice a week, you'll be looking to give those tests in the exact same way that the ACT would actually do it. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, that's what I do now. They're still, most of them are still paper-based. So I really encourage even my online students to print out the test and mark it up exactly like they would as if they were taking the test. And then when it goes online, I'll encourage them to do that, to go online and do it exactly like they would if they were taking the test. That way they're using what the real platform is as, as they're taking their test. That's what I want them to have the experience with. Are there uh, online solutions that you've identified who help you with uh, the, you know, who help you with simulating the online experience? Um, not uh, Khan Academy has a real good uh, SAT, has a real oh. good SAT platform. And uh, I've, I've encouraged students to go there and use that right. to either get that experience or to check, to check some of their answers as they, as they go along. And that's definitely part of my expansion plans as well is to, you know, provide those solutions as videos for students so that, you know, even if they never come and get tutoring for me, at least they can get some of that help on some of those problems that they're struggling with. Got it, uh, Jeff. Jeff, uh, coming to acquiring students, uh, how much of your time goes, uh, you know, in having sales calls, you know, not exactly sales calls, you know, the calls where you have to spend time talking to parents and then, you know, onboarding a student. Has there ever been like a hard sell or, you know, how does that whole process go and how much of your time and percentage per month goes towards student acquisition? It's actually very little. I get plenty enough uh, word of mouth referrals that right. people are coming to me. And then, of course, I might have a conversation with that parent. But, uh, you know, my my thought process with that is if, you know, if they've sought me out, then they want their student to succeed. Right. And right. so, you know, if they don't go with me, okay, that's all right. Because, you know, maybe they want something less expensive. Okay, that's fine. But I can just convey to them that, you know, that I've done this for a long time. It's what I do full time because I'm, there's not a big, huge number of people in the U.S. that do this full time. Most of them, great kids, college kids, you know, teachers, things like that, that do it part time, which is great. But I do it full time. So I let parents know that, you know, this is what I do every day. So, you know, if you want to go with me, you're, you're, you're going to succeed. Your, your kids are going to succeed. You're going to do well because this is what I do. And so I think that's helpful in getting me to, you know, get parents, or, you know, get parents and new students on board. But I do still get enough word of mouth that I don't really have to spend a lot of time, you know, out there searching for students just because I put a few ads out or I post some flyers and they they are here. They, they come. Got it, Jeff. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about your fee structures? Is it hourly or do you... You package number of hours. Uh, generally, I tutor. I do hourly. Um, okay. I'll you know charge you know a certain fee for students for different different tests depending on how advanced the subject is. Different fees, and a little bit different for in person than online. Okay. Because when I have students online, I can stack them up one right after the other. But if a person's here in person, it's a little bit more difficult to you know, finish up and get them out the door in time. And so I charge a little bit more for in-person, which it seems unusual, but that's what I do just because of that. You know, when I can have them back to back to back, I can get more in, in, in a day. Right. Got it. And uh, now 
Talking about expansion, what is your immediate next step? You said uh, you're working on your website, but uh, mm-hmm. do you already have enough inbound inquiries for you to be able to hire teachers? Or do you have to go advertise and go the outbound route? So and for the summer, I'm going to have to you know, collect up some more students before I can go out to get another teacher at this point. But uh, when the fall comes again, I know I'll be back to where I was completely overwhelmed and not enough time in the day. And so I know that this summer I'll be looking for some folks that can take on board my system, use it, understand it, and do well in, in teaching students with it. And so then when the fall comes and we have a whole new flock of people looking to prepare for SATs, ACTs, then I'll have some, some, you know, some relief valves, some people to go off to and say, you know, I've got this great person. I'm going to introduce you to them. They're going to help you. They're going to use my system. It's just as if I was there. If they need any help, they'll come to me. And so then with that, then I'll be able to have that, you know, capacity uh, offload that I'll need when I, when I have too many students again, like I often have. Got it, Jeff. And Jeff, uh, is this already a trend? Is it a normal practice in the U.S. Uh, for the military uh, people to start teaching, or is it still not a thing that you think there's a lot I wouldn't. There, I wouldn't say it's it is, and I would say especially not actually teaching in in high school, um, just because it's very difficult, unfortunately, in the United States to become a teacher. Okay. Um, the loop, the loopholes you have to jump through to, to teach in the high school or junior high environment are very, very difficult. It's actually quite a bit easier to teach college than it is to teach high school. And so a lot of the military, they've already went through however many years of red tape. They don't want to dig into more red tape. And so they sometimes shy away from that when if they would, you know, just jump on board and, and do it, then they would find they would enjoy it. And so that's, you know, that's the challenge that unfortunately a lot of military people go through. And plus, it's just not as well paid, unfortunately, as the private sector in the U.S. And until we solve that, that's that's just something we have to solve because, you know, a teacher, um, you know, a lot of the consultants that I work with in the energy conservation consulting business, they were they were great folks. They would be great teachers. Right. But, you know, they they would get paid half of what they were making as an, as a consultant. And so if they're the only breadwinner in their family, that's very difficult for them to make that transition. You know, it's a, it's a very altruistic thing if they were able to do it, but unfortunately it's not a, it's not feasible um, monetarily. Even as a private tutor? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Just because um, you can make more definitely as a private tutor, but uh, you know, it's difficult for, for some folks to make that transition to, to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to, you know, engage and get as many students as I can. But uh, for some, for some military folks, it's not as easy as just jumping in and doing it. Okay. But if they do, uh, it would not be a bad thing monetarily. Oh, absolutely. No, it, it just does fine. No, I do. I do plenty fine. I love it. And then, and, and, you know, the biggest thing is satisfaction. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people, unfortunately, are working in jobs that they don't like, that they just go to every day. Right. Whereas I, you know, I wake up every morning excited. I get to teach new students some cool stuff. And so, you know, having that is a great thing. That's that's a good thing to do. If you love what you're doing, the saying in the United States is, if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. 
And so that's yeah. kind of how I feel about, about tutoring is, is it's a great and fun experience. Awesome. Jeff, has it ever occurred to you that you could help military people who you think they just don't have that thing to transition and, you know, get themselves set up like the way you've done for yourself? Have you ever thought you could help other military people get to a position or help them with a system where they could do something like what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would be definitely some of the people that I would look to expand to is military folks that want to do this, you know, either part-time or full-time that, you know, if they can use my system or any other thing to get, to get students and to, to teach them that they'll do fine. They have the discipline already to do that. Because that's, that's already an, a huge thing, especially in the U S where there are people who title themselves course creation experts or, you know, teacher, they help teachers launch their programs and stuff like that. Because, and all these things are very, you know, you know, it's all in a certain niche. And yours is a very clear niche about helping people like you with similar set of experiences like you, because I think you've cracked the exa- perfect system maybe for them to set up something like that. That's the reason I asked you that question. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a helpful system. Great. And uh, the final topic that I want to touch upon is coming to the, you're teaching using online tools and Mm -hmm. um, what are the gaps that you see? How are the ways that you see you can improve your online infrastructure going forward? The big thing is, as you mentioned, ability to record the lecture. Um, You know, right now using Google Meet, I think I can record, but I'm not sure. Um, and if I want to use zoom to record, I have to take a break every little bit. And so having that ability, um, to record quality lectures myself would also be very, very helpful because then I can, like, I want to record little mini videos for ACT and SAT solutions. Right. And so, um, having a good high quality platform to do that is kind of a gap right now. It really is. There's probably something out there, but I don't, I don't know of it. So. So it hasn't been that much of a pain for you to go out and look for it as of yet. Is that, am I correct? No, it, it hasn't risen to the level where I've had to go and look for it yet because the people that I tutor now are real time. A few of them need the recording, but not very many. And so it hasn't risen to a level where I've been very concerned about it quite yet. Got it, Jeff. Jeff, when you spoke about expansion, uh, of course, you know, the test prep, you're doing it one-on-one live uh, interactive sessions. And when you expand, you're having more teachers to take on more students. Have you, do you think it is feasible for you to uh, scale this up with recorded courses? Will it, uh, you know, can you do some hybrid model where you probably spend 50% of the time that you spend with students and then supplement it with recorded courses? Have you ever thought about that? I absolutely have. Yeah. I think like my, uh, my test day prep and my, you know, ACT test taking techniques, SAT test taking techniques and math PowerPoints are very recordable, very, something that a student could, you know, look at ahead of time. And then, you know, we meet later to see if they have any questions about that. My reading method is also something that they could watch and, 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 and learn and, you know, see how effective it is right out of the gate. And so then use it, use it right away 
instead of having to wait for an appointment with me, they could take some tests right away using that method and then meet with me later to help them fine tune it and get the, get the, the best ways to do it uh, knocked out. Got it, Jeff. Have there already been any inquiries from students asking for this model? Hey, can you just record some stuff and give, you know, so that, you know, I can just do this. Has there been any requests or demand like that? On the military side, yes. Um, uh, a company that helps uh, pilots get National Guard right. and uh, Air National Guard slots has approached me about doing that for the military tests. Wow. So okay. that's, that's definitely, I think, uh, the one guy in the company went off to do um, training for the airlines, but then is now in this time frame about um, going to come back. And that's what we're going to start working on is recording some of those lectures, some of those test taking techniques and some of those methods for the military tests so that they can have that and, you know, market that to their to their folks that are preparing for those military tests. Got it. I'm sure you've, you're going to go and uh, take that project up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's on my list to contact today because I know that there's about the time frame they gave me right. when he would be back from that training and, and going forward on that. Got it, Jeff. Jeff, just a couple of more questions uh, before we can wrap this up. One is as of now, whatever online tools you're using, you're not paying for any of those. No, no, not right now. Great. So I'm, I'm just started yesterday with Calendly. Calendly, I'm gonna, right. Yeah, going to get that fired up. And uh, because I do spend a lot of my time every week scheduling. Moving right. <laughs> folks around. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I can't meet this time. Can you meet now? Can you meet then? And, uh, and I want to be able to free myself from that. Just share your link and then let them choose whatever time's available on your link. Get it and then, right. you know, everything. I can't count the number of times that I've snipped my schedule and sent it to someone hugely oh, inefficient God. hugely inefficient yeah, right yeah. and so i want them to be able to go oh i see a spot there that's open i'll grab that God. and so that's that's definitely um the guy that i'm working with also that's one of his suggestions as well is to have that available to my students so i signed up yesterday and i'm working and getting that refined today so it sends out reminders and everything like that so that i get less you know, people that, oh, sorry, I, I, I can't tutor today because that's difficult. I mean, a no show for me is, is no money, but right, right, you know, I, yeah. I, I rare, I rarely, in fact, very rarely charge no show fees. I say, I always have something to do, which is true. There's always some other project that I can work on, right. but I wrought, I want to discourage that practice that students realize yeah, that, yeah. The time with me is that's their time. And if they miss it, then it's going to be difficult to get another time. And a lot of them have experienced that. If right. they miss an appointment, like during the spring, they missed an appointment. It was like, well, sorry, can I get another appointment today, tomorrow, or the next day? No, I'm sorry. I, I have nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's so, how it should be. So. Yeah. And so hopefully, you know, I'm really working to get that so that I have to do less of that and they do more of that. Got it. And do you work all seven days a week? I don't work on Sundays um, okay. for religious reasons. And also it's a, it's a brain break. I get to, you yeah. know, get to <laughs> stress down. And, but other than that, I do work, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, I generally take Friday evenings off. That's right. a date night with my wife. And then, Love but me. other than that, I work pretty much, you know, every day, sometimes from 7am till 9pm. I was going to ask you, you how many hours typically. Wow, that's 14 hours a day. 
Yeah, it can be, it can be that definitely during like college final season, wow. you know, there's okay. definitely times where there's just not enough hours in the day to fit in students. So I'll put them in at seven o'clock my time or late night, my time. And because I work with students in all time zones here in the U.S., you know, for an Eastern time zone person, you know, that's getting pretty late. If it's, you know, late my time, it's really late their time. Yeah. Whereas if it's, you know, early their time, it's even earlier for me. And so sometimes that's how I can fit students in. And that's, that's what I work to do. You know, if I have to, just the other day, I fit a lady in at 6 a.m. Because that's really the only time that she could do it because she was working full time getting her MBA. And so, you know, I fit her in when I could fit her in because that's, I really work hard to help my students succeed. Awesome. And one final topic that I want to touch upon, from a point of view of two stakeholders involved here, one is the trainers themselves, like yourself, and your EA, right? Now, for the people that are listening in, teachers as well as people looking for opportunities maybe like to assist teachers like you you know who probably need help how what do you have to say to the teachers how do they go about looking for them how did you at what point did you think that you needed somebody and what are the tasks that you outsource that's one part of the question i'm so sorry i'm uh, com- oh, you know, no putting two questions the second question is for people who are looking for opportunities like you know like the one that you've offered your assistant how can they approach people like you and how can they uh, show to the other person, okay, these are the things that I can probably help you with and what's the kind of money that they can expect, Jeff? So so my guy in Mexico, um, I met him while I was down there doing some consulting. Uh, right. He was our driver. He was a very excellent, excellent guy. Right. And w- what I approached the money with was a middle-class living. Right. You know, I want him to have a comfortable middle-class living Right. And so that's how much I pay him. Right. And, and, and I would say that for the people that are looking for that, um, I would just, you know, approach teachers or, right. or tutors or whatever and say, you know, here's the, here's what I can offer. Right. And then also I can, you know, send them my guy's information to, to have them, have him train them. Here's what I do for Jeff. Right. Here's how it benefits him because it really is a huge benefit. Yeah. And, and, I decided to take him on relatively early and after I had, uh, um, after I had went down there and did that consulting, I realized that I was not keeping up at first. It was just, I was not keeping up on my bills. I was not entering in my Quicken. I was not doing any of that stuff. I would fall months behind and I realized I want to spend time teaching, not doing that. Right. Right. And so that was the first thing that I outsourced, outsourced to him. And then since then, he's just grown. He does all sorts of other stuff for me. Like I said, every morning I wake up, there's all these emails in my draft file ready to send off to those students. And just a super good guy that does, you know, whatever I ask. And so I would say the thing that people should approach someone about is just offering that, you know, I can help you do what you want instead of all those things you don't want to do. For the very same reason, I don't mow my own lawn, right? I hate it. Yeah. So I can hire somebody to do that. And so that's kind of the thing. Specialization is is huge for me. It, it helps quite a bit. Got it, Jeff. You don't have to be exact, but if you can just share the range of the kind of money that people can expect, it might probably help them to envision what's the kind of money that they can expect. 
So in, uh, I pay my guy in Mexico, um, uh, around about seven or $800 a month American. Right. And so, I mean, that's for him in Mexico, that's a middle-class living. Right. right? And so, and I think someone looking to do that kind of a role full time, if they had more than one customer, right. You know, more than, more than one person they were working for, they could definitely do just fine because it's, you know, it's, I couldn't do without him. I mean, I tell him every day that he's, he keeps this going because, you know, he does my scheduling every right. week. He does, he does all these little things that when I have to go do it myself, I almost, oh, how did I do that again? It takes me a minute to remember exactly how to do it because I haven't had to do it. He's right. so good right. at it. Great. Amazing. Uh, Jeff, I think I've covered all the questions that I had in my mind uh, for me to think that, okay, you know, I've understood how Jeff operates and what's, Jeff's life like uh, as a person and is and as a trainer as well. I hope uh, I believe that you know uh, the information that you've shared is going to help people listening to this uh, take their first step. Um, you know, at least have a direction to go towards uh, from listening right. to you. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for taking time oh, out and sharing all these things. I look forward to anyone contacting me at any time to to have me help them out how to get started in this business how to how to prosper because I, I love doing it. And I think there's, the more people that love it and do it, the better off students worldwide will be. I think it's just a very noble profession to do. That is great. That is so generous of you. Um, I'm going to maybe put up your contact details for people who'd be interested. And uh, before we end, Jeff, uh, any feedback about this podcast? Uh, uh, what, what's your general feeling like? Was it worth your while? Oh, I very greatly appreciate it. I, I, I love, um, you know, talking as you can tell. And, uh, I, I just, hopefully that'll help someone out there to, you know, to, to take the leap and to do something that they love to do and that can help people because it's, it's a, it's a great thing to do. Got it, Jeff. This podcast is brought to you by Edison OS, a no code edtech platform to operate an online education business. Knowledge entrepreneurs can use Edison OS to sell online courses from their own websites, manage online masterclasses, launch mobile learning apps, sell online practice tests for competitive exams, run online learning communities, digitizing their offline tutoring business, use it as a learning management system, and a lot more cases in the domain of knowledge commerce.